G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at ya, Friday Arvo, bit delayed sit down this week with JLo. A couple of Fantas uh, got in our way of recording the episode, but we're back before round 18 in the AFL. Plenty of fantasy stuff to talk about, some new debutants as well, so a couple of cash cows emerging late in the season, which is very handy. A couple of important games in the context of the finals as well. How are Brizzy going to go? Who are North Melbourne going to look out for the next head coach? JLo and I discuss a couple of those things. We dive into a little bit of NBA chatter. Obviously, we're entering the quiet period in the NBA off-season, so not tons going on, but seems like Donovan Mitchell's going to be traded in the next couple of weeks. So we talked about some potential landing spots for him, talked about Dame's contract, and DeAndre Ayton staying with the Phoenix Suns. So bumper episode coming for you. Let's get amongst it. Boys are a bit behind schedule. This week, the Wednesday hump day pod had a lot of momentum behind it. There's a couple of Sydney trips that uh, threatened to derail the train, but it's taken us to Friday this week to get on the airwaves. But how are you doing on Friday, the 15th of July, JLo? Mate, I'm so exhausted. I'm just <laughs> Still. like, yeah, haven't been able to get reset. Lots of drinking, like just it's been a big week. So if, let's see how this pod goes. Might be a little bit off. Hey, that's all right. We'll provide plenty of insight into fantasy, which, let's be honest, is what every sports be fan's probably here for. And a little bit of a, an interesting Mount Rushmore. Uh, we'll get into more basketball stuff in the back half of the Mount Rushmore pod. But, oh, no, actually, let's start with the basketball stuff because there's not a shitload going on. There's Summer League, but there's a couple of contracts that are uh, being signed that are probably the most newsworthy items around the association. Uh, first one's Dame extending his contract for two years, 126 million, I think, which is just stupid money. But Mm. clearly he, like there was rumors that he was going to bounce from Portland. Every other NBA team wanted to try and pair their superstar with Dame, but it seems like he's going to stay with the Blazers. What do you reckon is like the direction that they aim in now? Like they've re-signed Anthony Simons. They've got Jeremy Grant. They seem just destined to be like the, in the mix for a playing game. I don't know if there's anything else around their roster that really excites me. The bloke they drafted, Shade on Sharp, he hurt his shoulder, so he's not taking part in any more of Summer League. But I don't know. It seems like if you got Dame Lillard, you have to pay that bloke. But where do you reckon the Blazers go from here and looking forward with Dame now tied in to the end of what, like 2027? Look, they should pretty aggressively attack one of the guys who's on the market, like... Don Mitchell or mm. actually Don Mitchell would be a pretty good fit for them. Cause he's still got a 10 year career ahead of him. So I wouldn't mind them going after Donnie. Um, obviously the KD sort of factors in play that would make a lot of sense. Like if they got KD all of a sudden you're thinking like, ah, oh, they could win it, you know? Yeah. So I would say one of those guys, anyone else on the, on the market right now that you can think of. No one that's jumping to mind, honestly. Now that yeah, look, Brad Beal signed for his money, he seems pretty content to uh, rot away in Washington. So, yeah, there's no one. Yeah. There will be someone, but no one else yet. We've said it before that they're, they're just buggered. Like they're in, mm. they're fucked. They're backed into a corner. So, to be honest, getting Jeremy Grant and doing a few of those little moves actually works pretty, pretty well. But, um, yeah, they're still just, they're fucked. Let's be honest. Yeah. 
it'll help them, I guess, maximize the roster that they've got. And like Josh Hart came over in that CJ McCollum trade. He's all right. Um, I can't remember. There was another bloke that they got either through the off season or in a trade who's like, we'll be part of their rotation. But yeah, regardless, I think they're going to max out as like a bottom part of the playoff field. But if you got Dame, once you get into the playoffs, you never know. He's proved that he can steer a team as far as it's capable of going, like hit some big shots in his NBA career already. But I agree. I think they're just kind of destined to sit in the spot that no NBA team wants to be. And that's uh, in the middle. Yeah. And I think um, signing Nurkic again, like re-signing mm. Nurk has pretty much said, all right, well, we're not going to be out of guard. Jokic and Bede. <clears throat> Let's hope we don't see those guys. They Well, they'll see Jokic four times because we're in their division, but um, they probably need to figure out a way to play some dynamic kind of small ball. I think Jeremy Grant will help with that, but yeah, Nurkic is such a defensive liability that they're going to have to come up with something a little bit interesting. They'll they'll have to play their own unique brand of basketball. That's not this like traditional big point guard, small forward kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. His biggest issue has been staying on the court as well. So yeah, they could do some small ball stuff with uh with Jeremy Grant. That might be interesting. Uh one team that probably won't be playing a ton of small ball because they re-signed DeAndre Ayton is the Phoenix Suns. And this was a fucking mm. weird scenario that took two weeks over free agency to play out. So there were rumors around the draft that he was going to be traded to Detroit. Then there were uh, more murmurs that Indiana were interested. And then once free agency started, nothing seemed to happen. It really died down very quickly. But then overnight, Indiana approached DeAndre Ayton with, I think it was 134 something like that over four years, smacked the offer sheet in front of him. And everyone's like, all right, well, I guess he's going to Indiana now, but within the space of six hours, Phoenix had two days to decide if they wanted, but they were like, yep, that we're going to match the contract. He's coming back to Phoenix, which makes me think like, why the fuck didn't they just do it in the first place? Why like do all the dicking around? He wanted a max contract, which was off the dome, like 170. So they saved themselves like 10 million annually with his $134 million deal. But, I don't understand the Phoenix front office. I mean, I think it's a good thing they resigned him. I think he's still a really good player, but yeah, very strange situation. If you ask me, I probably would have waited like they did to sign the, the $10 million less contract, to be honest. I feel like that's why they did it. Save some money. Don't have to offer him a, a true max, like a one team max. And I, I also look at this as potential sort of salary matching for KD. That's kind of what pops into my mind. Well, now that he's signed it, he can't be traded until the like after the deadline or before, you know, that like January 15th mark. It might happen, mm. you know. I think that'll work just before the trade deadline. Like all those blokes usually come free to be traded like three weeks before the deadline. So, well, but then how can you can do a sign and trade? Well, there's in that 48 hour window or in like a period of time, technically when he's like has that offer sheet and signs the offer sheet, he can still be traded in that scenario. I don't fully understand the logistics behind it, but now that he's recommitted and back on the Suns, he can't be dealt for another three months. Is it three months? But yeah, January 15th is usually the date that springs to mind. So, well, that's six months from now roughly, but yeah, regardless, I see why I get where you're coming from where Phoenix tried to save as much salary as possible potentially instead of signing him for 170 or 150, getting him at a lower number. But 
don't know, after there was no interest, if I was them, maybe they did, who knows, just go at DeAndre Ayton with a smaller number and see if he re-signs. But mm. do you reckon now that Phoenix is pretty much running it back, they could still maybe do, I don't know, maybe do some finagling and make a play at KD, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen at least until the deadline gets closer. But where do you view Phoenix now as a contender? Because I know that I've kind of fluctuated a little bit on their belief. They were obviously the best regular season team last year. And I still have faith that they can challenge in the West, but I don't think they're the true contenders at the top of the totem pole. No, I think um, when they miss that, uh, they miss this year, Mm. I sort of think that was them done. To be honest, yeah, okay. Chris Paul's going to go down. <clears throat> Booker, look, uh, you know my feelings about Devin Booker, but I kind of think he sh- showed that he wasn't that guy. Like, he's not on that, what should we call it? Who beat them? The Mavs. So he's not on yeah. that Luca level. He's not. He was hurt Jokic. as well for a big chunk of the playoffs. But I yeah, agree. It doesn't matter. In it's some aspect. Playoff. Everyone's hurt. So I think... I think they'll drop down to fourth, fifth, sixth kind of kind of vibe moving forward. Dep- oh, depends on how Chris Paul is this year, but look, he doesn't have long left. Mm-hmm. So, and pretty much he just got tired in the playoffs. Like he was, he just can't play full full seasons. We're all, we're maybe even seeing that from LeBron at this point. Yeah, they're thirty five, a thirty six, seven, eight year old players. Like, I think they just run out of steam come the playoffs. So. Maybe they have to manage that, but if they manage it, manage Chris Paul, that is, then they're going to not finish as high. So I think yeah. I think they've missed their shot. I reckon that this could almost this season coming up could almost be their last roll of the dice because you're right. A lot of their success will hinge on how much Chris Paul plays, how health. Actually, it doesn't even matter how much Chris Paul plays. It just really matters how healthy he is rolling into the playoffs. And you're right, everyone gets injured if. Chris Middleton didn't get hurt. The Bucks might have gone back to back. Who knows? So these things happen. But I think now they've re-signed Aiton and they've still got the likes of Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, even if he is a bit of a fuckboy, he is still like a 25 to 30 point per game scorer. So, you know, they got the tools. I reckon they'll probably finish in the top four in the conference. But depending on how much Chris Ball plays, like you said, it'll probably dictate a bit of that. Uh, the... Next contract to discuss is actually not even really a contract. And the next off-season storyline revolves around someone we've already mentioned in Donovan Mitchell, who seemingly Utah was happy to build around after they got rid of Rudy Gobert. Well, that's what they told everyone anyway. But now mm. they've retracted on that statement. They're like, you know what? If we're going to blow it up, we may as well do it properly. What's your best offer? So there's a lot of teams out there that will be calling Utah. And I think the price in these trades of like, you know, four future first rounders and these pick swaps, it just seems to be going up and up every year. So I think whoever does make a play for Donnie is probably going to have to sacrifice some pretty heavy draft capital, but there are some teams that could move some pieces in the forms of players to make it more appealing. So if you had to think about it from like an overarching perspective, where do you think, or who's the, do you think is the best team that should make a play at Donovan Mitchell? He's 26 for what it's worth. He's kind of got a bit of the, Russell Westbrooky guy, but like good stats, bad team, dude, even though they were pretty good. You know what I mean? But he just reeks of that. I could see him being amongst the league's leading scorers, but getting blown out in the first round for the rest of his career. But yeah, which team do you reckon should try and uh, secure Donovan Mitchell? 
I think any middling team with the right um, <clears throat> age profile. So, you know, any team that's got stars that are between 28 and, well, and older, yeah, um, go for it. Because, I mean, you've got nothing to lose. You're not looking to build through the draft with the current makeup of your team. So that, you know, the Lillard Blazers are a really good example of that. You're not going to sit around. You don't mind losing a bit of draft capital if it means you could actually win now. Um, but you would really want someone to, you would want Donnie to put you over the top or put you yeah. right in the conversation. Um, so I don't know if that's the case for, for Portland. I'm uh, just trying to think where else. I wouldn't mind seeing him go to um, Charlotte. They've got their own problems going on, but at least they've got their stars. Well, at least one star of the future. Pair him and and Lamelo together. That could work. Yeah, I love teams that. like that. They're they're the two that jump to mind. Um, well, I've got I have to have, yeah. I got four got? trade packages uh, sitting here and another uh, wild card one that I'll throw at you. The Charlotte Hornets are on the list. So they're the first ones we'll address. So they could pretty much match salaries. If you throw Gordon Hayward into the deal, he's still got two years and 30 mil annually off the dome. But if you give in, let's say three future per firsts and throw in the bloke they drafted last year, James Booknight, straight swap with Donny. You maybe have to throw in another salary, like a Rudy Gay or something, but, that's one potential deal. So if that was the package, obviously the Miles Bridges situation has kind of blown up Charlotte's off-season plans a bit, but they do have that salary cap space now. So if it was for Hayward, let's call it three firsts and a swap and book night, would you pull the trigger for a Charlotte perspective? Yeah, I'd probably be a little bit hesitant to get rid of three, but mm. I guess we just saw Rudy Gobert go for like seven or something yeah. like that. <laughs> So yeah, maybe four and three swaps be... or something stupid. <clears throat> yeah. So maybe, I yeah, yeah. I probably would. I think I would too. I think pairing yeah. up Lamelo and Donovan Mitchell, like you said, at least it gives them something. It might not put them over the hump as a contender, but it steps them out of the play-in conversation into like, oh, who else could they beat in like the top four of the East? So yeah, that's one potential yep. scenario. Another team yeah. high up in the East is the uh, Miami Heat. They've been linked to anyone who's had uh, a trade request floating around. Kevin Durant, their name was linked to Brad Beal uh, last offseason in the trade deadline as well. So what if you package Tyler Hero, Duncan Robertson, uh, Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, let the record show, who I uh, think can't be drafted until the start of August, uh, traded until the start of August because he just signed his rookie deal, but um, you might have to mix someone else around one of the other prospects to match salaries. Uh, Gabe Vincent, and then you go with two future firsts and a first round swap. So three firsts kind of, but I don't think Utah is going to have a better record than Miami. So the real pieces you're giving up there are Tyler Hero and Duncan Robertson and a couple of prospects. Oh, I, I'd be more hesitant to do this one just because your Miami is in a position to win it. Like they... Mm. They got close-ish this year. Um, and I think compromising their depth would be tricky. Uh, I don't mind it. I don't think it's a position of need so much for them. So I would actually be less inclined to, to do this one. I uh, don't know how you feel about it, but I probably would would pump the brakes if I was Pat Riley. Is he still there? Yeah, yeah. 
I think you he's know? still calling yeah. the shots. Yeah, so yeah. I get the whole idea of you know doing these three for three players for one type of deal, but you're right, Miami's depth is one of their real like calling cards, and especially when mm. you look at the other blokes they've got. Jimmy Butler didn't play a full season last year. Kyle Lowry's been pretty banged up for the last few years. So if you gut the core of your roster, let's say, and then get mm. Donnie Mitchell, you're going to have Mitchell go, ah, uh, not go there, Bam out of bio, Butler, Kyle Lowry. That's a pretty like awesome four. But if you've only got two out of those four, like on the court at any night, you're like, eh. it's pretty dicey. Yeah. I think, I don't think he'll go to Miami. I think they'll probably, like you said, be a bit smarter. And they've been a really smart, good team for, you know, the better part of two decades. You probably don't even really want their draft picks. Like Charlotte's picks are much more uh, appealing than Miami's future first, let's be honest. So, yeah, I have similar trepidation. And I reckon they're going to be keeping all their assets so that they can keep themselves in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Yep. Uh, Next... Eastern Conference team, and probably the team I think he'll end up on, which is no surprise because a lot of uh, rumors have linked him to the Knicks for a long period of time. But if you can keep uh, RJ Barrett out of a deal, which is what New York seems destined to do, I reckon they're just going to do something similar to what Minnesota did and give up an enormous amount of draft picks. But the deal that I manufactured is you go Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin and one of their guys who are doing well at summer league, you go with like Miles McBride, Quinton Grimes, just to give them another prospect to potentially build around. And then you got, they've got Washington's protected uh, pick in 2023. So you give that up. They give their own 2023 first rounder and then a couple of other swaps and future picks. So it's essentially three firsts and two first round swaps with Obi Toppin and a couple of other young dudes and Evan Fournier as like a salary filler. Yeah, I feel like the, the difference between the Knicks and, say, Charlotte is I don't, I, as much as I like RJ Barrett, I don't know if they've got their superstar mm. or that, you know what I mean, going for. I feel like LaMelo is going to be a franchise player. Is RJ, he, he could be, he's, he's a good little player. Also, he but plays pretty much. If you much... had those two, like if you pick an RJ or Lamelo, you pick Lamelo as like a future prospect and someone to build around. Yeah, at the moment, and I think it's a better fit. You almost think feel like bringing in Donny cuts into RJ's development a little bit. Mm. Um, so I'd be less inclined if I was the Knicks, but they they did just secure a whole lot of draft capital at the at the well at the draft, didn't they? True. Yeah, they got a couple of futures. Um, they obviously signed Jalen Brunson as well, so. Even though it seemed a bit head scratching at the time, he's like a good player, and you pair him mm. and Donovan Mitchell as their starting backcourt. They're definitely better than they were last year. Yeah, so I don't mind that one, um, you know. But I, I do worry with. I would want the team to have a real plan, mm. and I don't feel like that the Knicks have a real plan at this point. What about what if, the? Um, I'm sorry, you might have not. Well, before you go into another team, what if instead of giving up as much like draft capital or let's say you keep Cam Reddish or something, what if you did give up RJ Barrett? You can keep, I don't know, take two first rounders or a a first rounder and a swap out of the deal, ditch Cam Reddish and fill that salary with RJ Barrett because he's probably more tantalizing as a trade asset because you're right. he's, He's shown flashes, but I don't think he's shown over what's it three years, four years that he can be a player to build around. He might be like 
a second or even third best player on a championship winner, probably more likely a third at this rate. You reckon the Knicks would be smarter to put him in the deal and keep more of their future assets if they were trading for Donovan Mitchell? No, because then that doesn't make sense. Like you've grabbed Donovan and you're going to have no one else there with him unless they're planning to sign going forward, which is just like the the Knicks curse. They've mm. just done that forever. Well, you got Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell. It's not a great trio, but if you have those three plus RJ, you know, how far are you really going? I, th- I agree. I think you're better to hold on to him, but yeah, just play a devil's advocate. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, what was the other team you were going to mention? I've got one more. I'll just on your say, list. You, or you go your list and then I'll see if it's them. All right. So for most of the offseason, we've wanted the Dallas Mavericks to pair someone with Luca. Do you reckon a Spencer Dinwiddie, Dwight Powell, and four picks in like the forms of two swaps and two first rounders? It might not even honestly be enough to get the deal done. But do you reckon Luca and Donovan is a good star pairing? Yeah, it'd be pretty good. Mm. Although they both need the ball in their hands. I think Very true. I, I, Luca is a transcendent top. He'll be in the top five players for the next decade. And so I think you've really got to put players that fit Luca around him. And I think um, Christian Wood is one of those. I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie actually works quite well, especially in the role he was playing. I don't think Donovan makes sense like you've seen him literally not pass the ball to his second best player for the last year so not really i hear i hear where you're going with it but i think luca needs those sort of stars who are really specific like a clay thompson doesn't need the ball catches and shoots dribbles fucking six times for 50 points you know so that's kind of my thoughts on that one on on anyone Luca Jokic Giannis, Giannis although yeah. Giannis is a little bit more open but you, you need to put players around that fit those guys because they could win you a chip almost single-handedly so I, it doesn't make as much sense to me and again with the Mavs I'd be hesitant to to lose too much roster depth as well that's why you and I form a beautiful one-two tandem as a future NBA GM. Cause you, I would come at you with all these crazy trade ideas and you would just talk reason. And then we would find the one that would make us uh, a championship winning team. All right. I got one wild card in my back pocket, but I want to save it. Cause I don't reckon it's the team that you're going to mention. So who do you reckon after having a bit of a peruse could be another team that we should talk about? I think the Sacramento Kings should have a good long look at it. Yep. Um, because I think De'Aaron Fox is a star. I honestly forget. Who else they have on their team at this point? Not but Tyrese Halliburton. Like, yeah, not Tyrese. Yeah, shit. So they've already sort of said we're not going young. Oh, they got Sabonis, don't they? Yeah, they got Sabonis. They got Davion Mitchell. The Keegan Murray bloke that they drafted has actually been, you know, it's summer league, but he's been looking pretty good. Been shooting quite a yep. lot. So you know, they got some pieces still. Yeah, and I like the Davion and Donovan pairing because. Davion provides what Donovan cannot do. Like he's mm. a traffic cone on defense, Donovan. And Davion is the complete opposite. He's one of the best on-ball defenders in, and he will be an all-NBA f- defensive first teamer. I think it would work pretty well. I don't know like how they would make it happen, but if it means giving up a ton of draft capital, they, 
fuck, they might as well. The Kings are so lost. Like, yeah. this could definitely put them, this would put them into the playoff mix. Well, the one me. I was just having a look as you were talking through some of your Sacto thoughts. It's a straight salary swap for De'Aaron Fox, but I think you'd be trading Donovan Mitchell to pair with Sabonis and Fox, right? Yeah, that would be and my you- idea. So salaries, you could almost say anyone but those two are. Yeah. You just, well, let's you go through it because they got they got Jeremy Grant, who I think is a free agent who hasn't yet been re-signed because they got that in the Tyrese Halliburton deal. So I don't think he could Jeremy be included. In, uh, sorry, Jeremy Lamb. Oh, yeah. um, Kevin Horta, they traded for. Oh, yeah. Probably can't be included in the deal. Rashawn Holmes, you could match with Harrison Barnes's contract. And that is almost okay. a perfect 30 mil. Um, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, they're not getting rid of either of them. Josh Jackson, same deal. He's uh, cap-holed at the moment. So a potential free agent. And then you go into Davion Mitchell, Trey Lyles, all these other blokes who are worth less than two mil. So a Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Davis, Harrison Barnes, four pick, or, you know, two swaps, something like that. That could push it through and get it done. Maybe. Look, it wouldn't be an easy deal to get done, but, <clears throat> you know, Utah needs some fucking players. Mm. Rashawn Holmes isn't bad. I quite like Rashawn Holmes. So do I. Could just... Him and Harrison Barnes could help give them some semblance of an identity until the help arrives. And at least then you've got decent vets. Harrison Barnes someone's jersey to sell. Oh, yeah. And Harrison Barnes is a championship player. You know, mm. like he was on that Warriors team. He, he understands sort of what it takes, whether or not you think he has much going on up there. But I, I, I don't know. that If I was the Kings, I would be on the phone almost constantly yeah. for the next that one could work. I don't hate that idea. If you go Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, I'm blanking at like what center they would play or what backup bigs they have behind Sabonis and him. But you know what? If you get Donovan Fox, Sabonis, and you keep the likes of Malik Monk, Kevin Huerta, and uh, Davion Mitchell, it's a pretty nice roster. You just need a couple of well, bigs. They could in your put Dav Mitchell in there. They could honestly add Davion. Yeah. Really? Well, they, they do love to trade uh, lottery picks they drafted a year or two after they've been there. So, yep. yeah, watch this space. Uh, the wild card that I've got is what if we facilitate a Denver Nuggets trade? They traded away the pick on draft night. What if you bring him back and you send out Michael Porter Jr. and you just have Jamal Murray, Davion, uh, Davion Donovan and Jokic? There might need to be another salary cap filler here or there. I know they just re- extended Contavious Caldwell Pope, so it probably pours a bit of hot water on the uh, hypothetical. But what do you reckon? What about Donovan in a Nugs jersey? He's just not as good as MPJ when it, when MPJ is firing, and I think the Nuggets are looking at it that way. Like, there's been a few little stretches. Um, actually, there's been I think about 700 minutes where Jokic, Jamal, and MPJ have played together, and they've got like the highest offensive rating yeah. of any team ever. And I think well, that the would Nuggets be why. At... Go on. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say just that would say, be why think... they push back on <laughs> potential trade is like he can't, he can't stay on the court at the moment. So like, even though he's like when he is healthy and you pair those trio together, I agree they're elite, but do you just like throw the, uh, fe- or the uh, what you call it, throw the asset away and you're like, look, 
if he goes on to be a superstar, so be it. Don't think it's going to happen based on his health issues, but we can just get back a top 30 player in the league and really make like a title push while Jokic is balling and with a healthy Jamal coming back. I agree. It's a bit clunky of a fit as well, especially now that they've got some other dudes in their um, backcourt, but there's, there's potential to make it work. Yeah, I just don't think it works with Jokic. You need the ball in Jokic's hands, not in Donovan Mitchell's hands. And it's already going to be in Jamal Murray's hands. Whereas Michael Porter Jr. is a Clay Thompson type guy. He needs to have the ball in his hands for 2% of the game. In fact, you probably want that. You probably want him spot up shooting, offensive rebounding. Yeah, it's a a no from from Jakey Boy. That's all right. Just had to, uh, had the question had to be asked. Uh, all right, where is Donovan going to go then? Because let's be honest, by the time we do this on Wednesday, a deal could go through. Hell, by the time people are listening to this, a deal might have gone through. I reckon he lands in the Knicks, but what say you? Oh, yeah, the safe money would be the Knicks, I think. Mm. Um, I hope he lands on Charlotte, though. But yeah, safe Charlotte, money is or, the Knicks. Charlotte or that deal we talked about through with Sacramento, that would... Uh, tantalize me as a basketball fan I'd, I'd want to say that yeah the more interesting the Knicks is just the boring fucking always happens one so yeah all right from NBA trades to AFL trades there's been a lot of uh, rumors this week about Brody Grundy potentially being on the move I think that's probably just one or two rumors going out there and then the news and the media running with it especially the way Dust Cameron's been playing obviously fantasy coaches are aware that he has stepped up adequately in the absence of Grunderton, but he's contracted for another five years. From Collingwood's perspective, you reckon he's going anywhere? Ooh. Well, I think this is just all hot air. I agree. But yep. I, it, it kind of makes a fair bit of sense. They're winning without him. Like, he, I don't think he's the player he once was. Um, I would do it. <laughs> I was Kyle. I would let him go. Personally. So he, he, I think before he signed the deal, there were like some rumors going around about Port Adelaide having interest. And from a ruck perspective, they're pretty bare. Like Sam Hayes played this year, but mm-hmm. didn't go great. Scotty Lysette's been banged up and he's probably on the wrong side of 30. They've been playing Finn Layson and Charlie Dixon in the ruck. They drafted this Teakle bloke in the mid season draft. But what if you could do a Carl Amon's of, planning on departing, going back to Victoria. Let's say he goes, they then basically fill Brody Grundy and his salary into that spot and they give up their first rounder, maybe a couple, maybe another draft picks or another French player or something. But you're going to make sense for Port to go chips in and try and secure Grundy. Yeah, definitely. Because their window is closing. Uh, Mm. I don't know if it's closed. I think it's still open, even though they're playing like, but they're actually playing really well right now. Um, yeah, it was just that five you know, straight losses at the start of the year that buried them, right? Yeah, I think they're probably eight and three without that or something. That They're looking mm. pretty good. Um, <clears throat> and they're finally getting the cavalry back. So, yeah, I would say go for it. Amon seems like he's out the door anyway. Um, I think Collingwood wouldn't mind. Carl Amon, he's a fucking good player. I really rate Carl Amon. So, I almost look at those two as like equal transaction, the way it Carl would almost been playing. Yeah, it would almost be right. I think there's a lot of other Victorian clubs that have 
said that they're interested in Amon. And I don't know how it would work, like him being a free agent and Grundy being contracted. Like, I don't think they do sign and trades in the AFL in a similar way, mm. but, you know, you could make it work. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere, but it just got me thinking. I was like, oh, if he does go anywhere, Port makes a lot of sense. I'm, I want to say he's from South Australia as well, Grundy. So. I was going to ask, that rings a bell, hey? Yeah, let me, uh, let me do my quick research. Yeah, he is from Adelaide. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Another tall man who seems to want to depart his current club at the end of the season in Rory Lobb. He has been mm. playing pretty well, arguably the best, or probably the best foot he's played at Frio, maybe his whole career. Uh, who do you think is the team that should go after him? Because whether he departs or not, there could be a few things that unfold and Frio's targets in the offseason might dictate if they want to keep him or not. But there's been talk of clubs like Essendon, the Bulldogs, They've said they might even do a switcheroo and put Aaron Norton back to centre half back because that's where he started his career and where he was drafted as a, a prospect. So, which club do you think would be wise to try and get their hands on Rory Lobb? The doggies. Yeah. 100%. You reckon? Yeah. No one even comes close to that fit. He's exactly what they need back up Ruckman and. Clunk and Marks, and you know, they've missed Josh Bruce. You've seen it. They have, you, yeah. Look, like Josh Bruce must be what? He's older than us, isn't he? I'm sure he is, yeah. I'll find out, but keep going. Yeah, anyway, I just think the age profile fits, the sort of the place fits, you know, he's, the role fits. I think he's exactly what the doggies need. Um, should he continue playing the way he has been? So, yeah. I'd be going the doggies. Um, they're definitely the ones that jump out to me. But let's be honest, any of those, he, does he want to go Vic or just I not? I think so, Vic? yeah. Because there were talk he wanted to go back to GWS. But for what it's worth, uh, Josh Bruce is a, a veteran of the game at 30 years old. But okay. he signed a four-year yep. deal when he was 29. So la, 2019, no. He signed to the end of 2023, sorry. so Okay. Yeah, but you I'd know he hasn't them. been the healthiest bloke, so no, definitely not. But I would definitely say them. He could fit in Essendon. Like that wouldn't be the worst thing. Mm. Um, wouldn't be the worst thing to pair him with um, Benny King at the Saints. That could True. work nicely. Maxi King. Yep. Sorry, Maxi King. Um, although, oh, and Paddy Ryder's probably not far off retiring as well. So that would I wouldn't kind shock of work. me if he pulled the pin this year. Honestly. Yeah, fit-wise, that works. Um, any of those Vic teams that are sort of floating around that position, 8th, ninth, 10th, I think it would well, work. It doesn't, doesn't really make a lot of sense at Richmond based on their forward structure. You could maybe throw him into Collingwood, but then that kind of just adds more complications to the ruck scenario that we're talking about with Grundy. Carlton... Mm. I think they've got Don't need him. enough promising prospects in key forward and ruck positions. Melbourne, same. So I think it really comes down to the dogs. Or you could even maybe say North Melbourne. He could be like a pinch hitter between the two. Depends on if he wants money or he wants to challenge for a flag, I guess. But mm. that would be like a very North Melbourne move. They're like, right, we're, we're changing everything. We're ripping it down. We're going to get Rory Lobb, paying him 700 a year. It's like, that would just yeah, be Good luck, stupid. boys. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, there's no way they'll do that. He could, I don't, I reckon he could work at Melbourne. Oh, Luke Jackson. Yeah, maybe yeah. not. Hey, just do a straight swap. Yeah, yeah, well, but I think happened. the doggies, doggies by a mile. 
Okay. Um, North Melbourne, speaking of, obviously uh, without a coach. They mm. parted ways, as they uh, like to say, with John Noble. Uh, David Noble, rather. John Noble's his son that plays for Collingwood. Uh, Dave Noble's mm-hmm. no longer the coach. Patch Adams, uh, he's going to be the assistant coach uh, or the interim coach that's going to take over. But there's a lot being talked about who they should target as their next head coach. I think Alastair Clarkson is the pipe dream that probably won't come to fruition. He said that if he does step back in the ring, he wants to challenge for a flag. But is there anyone on your mind that you reckon the Roos should be targeting? Now, there's a couple of different types of coaches. You could obviously go with someone who's proven before, go with someone like Noble, who's maybe had a spot or two and has gone back into an assistant or someone who hasn't yet been given a head coaching gig. Who do you reckon as those profiles they should probably be looking for? Look, if Spike McVeigh becomes available, that wouldn't be the worst. Someone with a bit of experience who's been around the traps. I would honestly be looking for a anyone who's coached under John John Longmire. Jesus, um, that would oh, be the, Sydney. the direct. Yep, that's the direction oh. I'd want to go. Um, or an ex Alastair Clarkson disciple who's maybe had a bit. Like I'm trying to think of coaches who aren't coaching right now like you know the vossies of the world last well, year a couple of the ones that i've got and i'm gonna do a i've been te- teasing it for a while but i'm doing a how to fix north melbourne in a certain number of steps and i think to do it they need to promote someone who's it's almost the label of like head of culture and it's like right he's he might even be your assistant co- uh your head coach and then do like a successor plan like they've done in melbourne and essendon with Woosher and Paul Ruse, right. you could probably put yeah. Ross Lyon into that position. I think he'd be a really good fit. He seems like if he goes back into coaching, he wants to do it like full time and commit though. Um, yeah. Swan's assistants, you got Dean Cox, Jared McVeigh, Don Pike. It could be someone that uh, yeah. fits that mold. And then a couple of other unexperienced blokes who probably don't have enough runs on the board to challenge for a head coaching gig. Yeah. But uh, even if it's someone who's been under Longmire, isn't there anymore kind of vibe you know yeah okay but you know i'd have to really sit down and think about it that's the direction i'd go someone who they don't need to have heaps of head like head experience what it's called yeah yeah um but something who someone who's been under a gun yeah that makes a lot of sense and like you said if you can get a a clarko or a i don't know going back a bit but like a mick malthouse disciple or something someone that's been around the traps yeah that'd be a smart pick like I said, I think Ross Lyon would be a good target. Someone else that sprung to mind is who has kind of, he's won a premiership before and he's been under a successful franchise, Mark Choco Williams. If you get one of them. I was just going to say. Yeah, yep. a, a dude like that, I reckon, is the perfect bloke. Ideally, you give him a four-year contract, two years to be a head coach, and then they step into the front office or something like that. Someone that's got that those aspirations. And then you give a a Jamie Graham, a Don Pike, even another assistant, Ash Hansen's a popular name in the coaching circles, Spike McVeigh, if he doesn't go get the GWS gig, you get someone like that who can learn under Ross for a couple of years and then take the reins. I reckon that's the smartest route to go down, but look, there's no easy solution for North. I don't think anyone's going to come in and save the day instantly. So no, I do like your idea. Of the of a succession plan though, like a Choco Williams for four, three, four years, get them right, and then 
have something under the belt, some plan, some, even if it was a Scott Pendlebury kind of vibe. Yeah. Well, you could even, speaking of in, you've kind of given away the article, but one of the other steps is you need to find that type of Luke Hodge player as well. And I think what you could do is you could probably get, yeah, Sam Mitchell's another perfect example. You could get a Choco Williams and you could maybe try and bring Trent Cotchen over. I don't know if he'd want to go to North for like the last two years of his career, but if you offer him a payday and they start start to go down, you never know. Uh, Dyson Heppel, he's another one who's like a good ex-captain. I haven't done a full deep dive on who fits that mould because we talked about it, I think, last week of finding Mm -hmm. that type of player. Pendle's... I don't think he's going to leave Collingwood, even if it was with a, for a lot of money. So, yeah, they need to kind of put uh, succession plans across the board in place, I reckon, so that they can build with that group and probably keep a lot of the roster that they've got together. We've thrown Jacko Horn Francis under the bus quite a bit already this year, but, you know, the dude might find some form in the back half of the six weeks and enjoy his footy again. I listened to a pretty interesting thing with Boomer Harvey, and he was talking about how, he was actually talking the um, Todd Goldstein like argument that was like at halftime, I think of one of the games they lost. Mm. Um, and he was like, I actually like to see that from a player. Cause he's like, wants to get better. He wants to challenge his teammates, even if it is Todd Goldstein and like keep driving those high standards. So, you know, he's still an 18, 19 year old kid in his first year playing at a shit show of a footy club. So there could be some leverage in trading him. Uh, but I reckon keeping him, Jai Simpkin, Davies Uniac, you got Mackay at one end, you got Suvalaki at the other. They got okay pieces to build around if they keep targeting the draft. So, agree. Yeah, that's my two cents on the ruse, but I'm sure they'll promote someone and it'll just uh, all go pear shaped again. All right. Probably. It's fantasy time. Let's talk about our <laughs> trades. Let's talk about our Finally. teams. Because I tell you what, you're making, you're making ground on me. There was a point in the season where I was up 11 to 2, I think, or 10 to 2 in the head-to-head ledger. But you picked me again on the weekend, so we're sitting at 12 and 5 on the season. So I think you've definitely had a better back half of the year than I have. I haven't moved backwards a lot in rank, but I definitely haven't gone up. It just seems to be a couple of hundred spots in the red every week. So I'm... Trying to get a big dog this week. I'm finishing my midfield and I've got a lot of possible routes to go down. I'm doing Saligo out for Josh Carmichael at this stage. And I'll talk all the rookies in a minute. And then I'm going Nick Martin up. So if I could get any player in my midfield, who do you reckon I should target? Um, you've already got Laity. I would be Correct. looking at, I mean, and this is pretty, probably pretty popular this week it would be steel or mills for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, we've been talking about how tasty the Adelaide run home is. They've got Collingwood this week, I think. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. They've got Collingwood this week. Ben Keys is at an absolute discount right now. And, you know, after 10 weeks of the season, he was pretty solidly locked in my top eight midfielders. So I would be looking long and hard at him um, this week, but knowing that there's, I think he's still got a West Coast matchup in there. He he doesn't have a tough matchup. There's no Geelong in there. Don't think he plays Melbourne. Um, so Ben Keys for the price that you could get him at and the money you could save, especially if you, if you, like you have a few, do you have a few more rookies on field? One up back, got, maybe? Yeah, another one down back still. So 
If I was that to would go be heavy Keezy, on my mind. Yeah, if I was to go Keezy over Steel, I would save myself 70K, which, you know, isn't nothing at this time of the year, especially when mm. you're trying to do those last couple of upgrades and everyone's benches are getting to the point where you're like, oh, fuck, I've probably got more non-players than I do playing. Um, I think <clears throat> there's a couple of other routes you could go down. I have looked at Steely and Mills. And I'll be honest, Steel and Keys are the two that I'm tossing up between, but smack bang in the middle of those two price-wise is Zachy Merritt, who's in yep. red-hot form as well. So I think it's those three. I think if anyone else is in a similar position and you're trying to get an upgrade this week, you probably have to get Laird if you don't have him. Brayshaw would be another popular one, but Freo do have some tougher games to close the season. Um, but if those were the... Take Millsy out. I don't know why, but I just can't pick Cal Mills. Maybe it's because he had that 50-odd a couple of weeks ago. That's still in my mind. But if you had those three, we got Steele, Merritt for about 30K cheaper, and then Keys for about 40K cheaper from that. How would you rank that trio as trade targets? Oh, Keeping look. all the factors, like you've said, run home, price, and all that mm-hmm. in mind, who do you reckon uh, is one, two, three? Oh shit! I'd have to look at the other boys' run home runs home. Like who've the Saints and the Dons got? Can you well, tell me a, off the top? Yeah, I had a little bit of look at the Saints one. So he's got the Bulldogs this week. Does Jack Steele obviously tonight? And that's I think they're the hardest team for midfielders to score against. Didn't stop mm. Cal Mills from chopping up last week, but usually their midfield stops other fantasy players from going off. Then he closes the season with West Coast Hawthorne. Geelong in Geelong, and then two games at Marvel against Brisbane and Sydney, who at that point will probably be fighting for spots in the bottom half of the eight or for Brisbane's sake, the get into the top four. So they probably won't be cruisy runs, but there's, it's a tricky-ish run home. And yeah. then Zachy Merritt. What about he's the got, Dons? He's got uh, Gold Coast this week. Then he goes Collingwood, North, GWS, Port Adelaide, Richmond. Yeah, well, from those, I would say, not steal this week. Mm. So Merritt or Keys, I would probably, I've got Zach Merritt. So, you know, I don't know, maybe that affects how I see it, but I would say I would still go Keys, honestly. Yeah. See, I um, keep looking at steel and I'm like, Oh, it's the bloke that's had, you know, back to back one twenties. And he's, you know, it was one of, if not the most expensive player going to the year with Tuke Miller. He's got like the tackling machine to become a fantasy star. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one, but I agree. I think I would honestly, even though they've got the dogs this week, still have Steel right up there despite his run home. Oh, but totally. I think I think if I'm ranking them, I'm going Keys, Steel, Merritt. Not by a lot, but the run home factor and that extra 70K will probably help me get another rookie off the field next week. And if not, yeah. I might just do a bit of a rookie shuffle, double downgrade, get some cash, and then... Um, go balls out the following week and get another gun down the back line. But that's enough of the yep. large fries and Coke. What's the uh, Chris Blorken boys looking at doing this week? Yeah, look, I've got no rookies other than Dacos on field um, who I'm not really counting. Um, got Timmy English and Rowan Marshall in the ruck spots who are going really well. Um, mm. And Darcy um, Cameron is the other one. So I guess there was three blokes I was looking at. It's either trade Dacos which, you know, I feel pretty good with him going up against the Crows. I feel like yeah. he can probably get his 78 break even, and then he, he'll he be seven 720 plus um, 
moving forward, which gives me a lot of wiggle room. And I also feel like the the defenders, I really just want to wait for Aaron Hall to come back. Um, I don't think I'll be able to get up to Sinclair too. It won't be easy. I might have to wait for a two-week drop from him or something. So I feel like he's going to be locked in. That's Dacos will be locked in up back. Tim Kelly had a stinker. Well, it wasn't a stinker in the end, but you know he had two at quarter time. Yeah, Managed to start. salvage a 70-something. Um, so Tim Kelly's definitely one I'm looking at moving, um, but I think he's safe this week. And I guess the other one was Harry Himmelberg. Um, but he did just have his first good game was against Brisbane. So mm. that's what he's got this week. As long as he plays in the back line, I actually feel pretty confident he'll get to 90 plus. So what I'm actually thinking I'm doing is uh, Gorney's cheapest chips. Yeah, Das Cameron's about as expensive as he's going to get to. It's a 30K move, Cameron to Gorn. And also Gorney had like 130 against Port last time they played him. So I think I'm going Gorney. I won't roll. I'll roll the the vice captain Rolls Royce on him, um, and hopefully he goes off. And then I've just got Tim English gone in the ruck spots. Rowan Marshall flips down to the forward line, and I've still got a full forward line, and I'm laughing. So I think it's Gorney in for me. Before you yeah. came up with that Gorney idea, I was like, oh, you could probably like turn TK into Rory Laird. That's a nice move, but for the sake of 30k to swap Das. And Maximus. I think I'm mm. probably going to cling on to Das. Well, I might honestly, if Grundy comes back next week, have to address that. But yeah, I think while you can, if you've got that potential, I agree. I reckon Gorn's going to go gangbusters this year. Just last week, we were talking about who's going to score the most points as Ruckman to close the year. And I picked him. So I don't think it's a bad mm. move at all. And you already got Jai Cully in your team, don't you? I do. I'm actually, as you were saying, the, the whole, um, you know, more not playing than playing. I only got two bench spots not playing. So really, I'm feeling yeah because I brought I'll bring Carmichael in for yep. the I forget now where are my trades. Oh, for Judson Clark, you know, okay. no wackers that made me about eighty k, and then yeah threw that on top of Gorney, Dars Cameron out, and so I've got yeah only Bryn Teakle not playing. And I gra- had to grab Tex Wang- Wanganite a few... I think it was during the buys. I was like, I just need a fucking playing yeah, rookie something. who's worth fuck all. So Tex is rotting away on my bench, but that's okay because the rest of them are playing. And I reckon Cully's going to go all right against the Hawks too. Hope so. Bravo. That's uh, nice to uh, nice to see that one of us has at least nailed our rookie picks. I've, I've still got a couple. I've still got all my defenders are playing. Um, yep. I'm flicking out Saligo, who is technically already a playing bloke, but he's maxed out in value. And there's one or two others on there, like Mitch Owens, who I'm like, he might come back and play a couple of games down the stretch. Um, But yeah, cash generation starting to dry up for a lot of coaches on the bench this week. For what it's worth, I think Carmichael's my favorite rookie ranked bloke heading into this week. He performed solidly against who they put North last week, but feel a bit safer about his spot rather than Cully's spot in West Coast side. I agree. I reckon he'll go all right against Hawthorne, but he seems like he's poised to do exactly what good old Zane True did over the last couple of weeks. 
just get out of the, t- or get into the team, play a couple of games, see what he's like. Who knows if he goes gangbusters, he might play out the season. And that's obviously a gamble that West coast can afford to do at this time of the year. But yeah, I don't know. He hasn't been lighting the world up on fire with regards to numbers and West coast's midfield is still relatively strong. They've still got most of their dogs there. So I'll be very interested to see how Cully is used, but I think he and Carmichael are one and two splitting hairs really is the top targets this week. Um, Ash Johnson, another basement priced forward. He finally gets to make his debut. He was uh, a mature ager drafted last year, I want to say, but he's been like pushing for a debut at times over the last well, 12 months, really. Um, so he'll draw the interest of some coaches. And then Tyler Sonzi is another draftee for the Tigers, but he's a pure midfielder priced at 236. So I'm like, mm, you probably don't need to be paying that extra 60K for a bloke that'll be on your bench at this point of the year. So Cully or Carmichael for me is the top targets this week. I'll get one of them this week. And then if Cully holds his spot, I'll probably jump on him next week. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Bang, bang. All right. Fantasy is obviously uh, the favorite part of this podcast for the Sports by Fry fans. But the second favorite part is the Mount Rushmore draft. Now, it was another close one on the weekend. Uh, over the week, sorry. We had, what did we do last week? Oh, hard nuts. That's right. Oh, yeah. the, the Instagram vote was tied at exactly 50%. And then yeah, the Twitter vote. Bloody Twitter. Yeah. The Twitter sports be fans came through for me. So take my ledger to five and three now, I think from memory. Um, but regardless, you got the first overall pick. And today we're drafting the worst NBA jersey designs because there have been some shit NBA jerseys. And when I throw the YouTube video up, I'll probably try and put a graphic of the jersey up so people know the ones we're mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, if you're tuning in on the podcast, you'll probably have to look at the graphic that I'll make that'll decide the vote. But there's a couple of contenders here. And I think there's a couple of clear ones and then it dips off pretty quickly, but it comes down to a bit of personal preference as well. So you get to kick things off. Have you got any all-star jerseys in your rankings? I didn't put any in. No, nah, neither. No. Yeah, good. Just okay. had to clarify. There's some I was shit looking, all-star ones. There's a couple of them popped up and I was like, well, oh, that is pretty bad. But no, I've just gone with, yeah, NBA teams jerseys. So beautiful. let it fly. All right. Yeah, well, I'll, let, I'll get this going nice and quick. I, I think personally, this is the worst jersey ever. Oh, I mean, obviously I'm picking at number one. Um, I think we're going to have the same one. Oh, uh, this is clear for me. Um, and it's the Mavs silver jersey from 2001-ish or something. I think you, yeah. you can see pictures of Nash and Dirk playing in it. And it's just disgusting because it's not even like a true silver. It's just like, uh, it's a, it's an absolute mess. It's one of those horrible silky jerseys from back in the day. Um, so I'm going the Mavs silver jersey. Uh, I can get the date up for you, but. It was 2003 because you... I've got it on my, yeah, okay. uh, on my draft board. It was number two actually for me. Uh, yep. Okay. Shiny silvery. No, it says gray. 2001 here. Oh, they might have worn it for a couple of seasons. Who knows? Yeah, sure. Anyway, sure. actually, let's be honest. They wouldn't have worn it for a couple of seasons. But nah. Mark Cuban said that uh, it looked like a wet garbage bag, and I'm like, that's actually it a does. pretty good way of describing it. <laughs> no, you're spot on. Yeah. So I'm but going yeah. that. I think that's the worst by a mile, personally. <laughs> I think the Charlotte Bobcats orange jersey 
is just disgusting. I hated looking at it when they were playing. Mm. was never a fan of it. Uh, when the Charlotte Bobcats became the Hornets, I was actually glad because there was some, I can't remember, oh, I was right when Kemba was starting to peak as a star. I was like, I really enjoy watching these dudes play, but fuck, these jerseys are ugly. And like, I could just picture mm. DJ Augustine running around in this like, and Gerald Wallace in this like bright, orangey, crappy, Yep. Charlotte Bobcats jersey. So that's my clear number one. So I'm taking it off the board with my first pick. Wow. I, I had that on my list, but not even in, like not ranked, you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. It was an honorable mention vibe. So I'm going to pick my second pick, which is another Bobcats jersey. <laughs> oh yeah. It's their NASCAR jerseys. Yeah. So it was gray down the side. It had like the checkered flag and I can literally, I've got a picture of DJ Augustin shooting a basketball in it and oh, it is fucking it is putrid so that's my number two and honestly it might be the ugliest jersey ever but it's it's just one of those jerseys there's too much going on the team was shit you know like yep. if steph curry was ripping it up in it you might be like oh it's a bit of a classic but nah for me that is just disgustingly bad so i'll go yep. that i totally agree i think that's another one that i had high up on my board very gross uh there's a lot of hate being thrown around for the gold uh, Wizards jerseys, but I know they they have a very close uh, place to our hearts. Shout out Gilbert Arenas. So, and also expect- they had an I- iconic player doing iconic things in it. Yeah, so don't expect to that hear helps. that that mentioned. But no. <laughs> I'm going with another gold one. Uh, probably looking mm. at a similar list here. It's the gold one that the Sacramento Kings wore in the mid noughties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get what they were going for, but there's like a purple and a silver, I don't know, ring like around the arm, yeah. around the neck, and this the gold they haven't pulled off. It's not goldy enough. It more looks like a like a light brown. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. poo. Yeah, genuinely like a bright a fluoro uh, gold or a poo. So yeah, the that's Sacramento my... Kings poo jerseys the schmear jerseys that's probably what most people would refer to them as anyway so yeah Shitsmere. i'm going with the uh the schmear kings cool all right well that means i get my first second and third picks so it's this one was one of those ones i thought could go any direction um look this one's might hit personal for you but oh uh, yeah the Cavs are gonna... on there the Cavs had a few actually um but the one I think is just trash is the 1994 black and blue Cavs. It's just, you're kind of like, what does this have to do with anything? Like it has nothing to do with their, their classic color schemes. doesn't even have any orange on there, which I know their logo used to be the orange net kind of thing or whatever. But it's the, yeah, 1994 black and blue. You can think about Mark Price and Sean Kemp wearing it. Um, it's just... Too much going on, not enough going on. It's just disgusting. Um, so I'm going with that uh, Sean Kemp classic Cavs blue and black, not the white and blue one, which I yeah, still okay. think is a piece of shit. But I think See, the, the more the road one is crap. I've got a Cavs one in my rankings, but it's not that one. I, know the one. I, actually, I actually like I know that the one. black and blue one. And they, it made a comeback as one of our alternate jerseys or like city edition a year or two ago, but what they did is they made the blue a bit smaller. You look at the eighties one and it takes up like 50 to 60% of the Jersey and you're like, Oh yeah, no, nah, it doesn't look great. So I'm and glad the, that they the revolutionized it. Well. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They've there's, they've got the big thing on the shorts. I I think that oh that's a factor. It's like there's a few jerseys you're like oh the tops all right, but then you add the bottom like. I don't, I'll honorable mention one. I'll just say it now. I'm not going to pick it. The one where the, the warriors have the solid yellow top, but then the pinstripe shorts. Oh yeah. yeah I yeah. think they sleeve yeah, it as well. And yeah. That is just a mess. And it's purely because of the, the shorts. So I think that's what gets this Cavs one over the line for me. It's a shit house shorts. Anyway. Yeah. Not great. Uh, oh, there's a couple I want to pick here. There's one. Uh, who have I got? I've got the Charlotte. I've got Sacramento. I think mm. I'm going to go with the one that the Washington Wizards wore as their like alternate red. And it had like mm. the white stripe, but not just like, you know, a stripe or different colors. It then like twisted and went around the body. That was yeah. yuck. Like it could have kind of worked, but yeah, no, nah, it was gross. So you're thinking the the red one that John mm. Wall and Brad Beal wore. So on the sides, it came down and then hooked around to the left or right. Yeah, is that what you're thinking? Like went down yeah. across the body. And, yeah. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different one, but there's another beautiful example. If it's the one I'm thinking of, of the it goes onto the pants, yeah, like down onto the shorts and hooks around on the shorts, and you're just like. What the f- I spe- it goes right across their asses. It's just a, it's a, a genuine mess. Um, yep. and that was sleeve too, I think. I think it was. I think they did sleeve version of that. All right. Uh, well, let it, let it, before you make your last pick, I was very tempted oh. to just make a pick of just t shirt jerseys in general because, like, we've right. already trashed the uh Golden State Warriors one. This Wizards one's on my draft board, but I was like, that's probably cheating a bit throwing every t-shirt jersey into the mix but i'm glad yeah. that they don't wear them or like it seems like that's dying out i'm not a fan of those t-shirt jerseys i didn't mind them i must admit but lebron obviously hated them so um maybe that's why I okay all right oh man there's a few i could pick here but i think i'm gonna go i got my top three picks very happy about that there's a sixes jersey that is just putrid when chuck mm. was there and there's the there's a Kings one that I'm very tempted to take. Um, still another Kings one. Oh my god! But yeah, that that was the one I was tossing up to potentially take with this pick. <laughs> yeah, so you can get that next pick because I'm going to go. And there's been a lot of bad versions of these jerseys. New Orleans Mardi Gras jerseys. Uh, I've never seen one that hits, but this one, the 2012 one, is just horrendous and yeah. they're always plagued by this too much going on but those new orleans ones um mardi gras ones from 2012 they had all the the purple and yellow and green but they also had these like like it was like the beads on the shorts it they're just so bad like they're probably the worst jerseys if you look it's just like someone's vomited but a fucking a Bourbon Street fucking cocktail on their jersey. So we'll have to get the specific one because they're all so bad. But the 2012 ones are by far the worst ones. So there you go. I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah, not great. Uh, all right. A couple honorable mentions I want to throw in. We must have been looking at a lot of the same lists. I went through a couple of them, but the list uh, 
that we've got most of our picks from also had a Detroit Pistons one that was like pure white, but with like lightning bolts on it. That wasn't great. Yeah, that was weird. Um, The Wizards again had another alternate one similar to the red one I was talking about, but it's like a white and orange. Uh, Not great either. Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, the Raptors camo one popped up on a lot of lists that I looked at. Don't like that one. Don't yeah, like I don't it. love it, but I'm like, oh, I don't hate it enough to throw it into this category, I don't reckon. Um, okay. But I think this is going back a bit, but I think the one that I'm going to take is the, oh, yeah, it's the Atlanta Hawks green jerseys that like Pistol Pete was running around in. It just oh, looks yeah. like a sickly like not even lime green. It's like a cross between lime green and Kermit green. Just not doing it for me. And again, NBA uh, jersey designers probably weren't at the peak of their powers in the 70s, but we've nah. seen some horrid ones since. That King's one that's got like the line down the middle and one side's purple, yeah. one side's black. That was right in contention to go with this pick, but instead, yeah, I'll go with the green uh, baby vomit Atlanta jerseys. Okay. I didn't end up putting that on my list because I felt a little bit Pistol Pete iconic kind of thing. Yeah, okay. I get what um, you're saying. But I hear what you're saying with that. And a few other honorable mentions since we got the time. The 2015 Rockets Clutch City jerseys. Did you see those on any of your lists? No, okay, I can kind of remember them, but not really. Oh, they are disgusting. <laughs> um I had the Wizards, the Mavs City jersey that where it looks like graffiti. Oh, the you, recent You would have one. seen. Yeah. Yeah, quite recent with Luca running around. That was fucking so, so bad. It looked like a kid off Sesame Street had done it. You know what I mean? Like the the bad kid on Sesame Street. Yeah. Was running around like, here, let me spray Mavs on a wall. Um, and we did, we, I sort of mentioned it, that Sixers one with, with Charles Barkley, which is very similar to that. Um, Detroit one you just mentioned almost the exact same thing just not enough but too much going on it's I mean that's all always the way it is right it's too yeah. much but not enough yeah they they put too much on the jerseys but it's like the wrong too much but I think yeah as a as an NBA community they've definitely grown and there's some pretty good city edition jerseys now more often than not when I yeah. see them I'm like yeah I like most compared to I hate most I would say there's more that I enjoy yeah. seeing so yeah, they come a long way since trialing bright red and orange and like the, the ones that the Knicks wore on Christmas Day that were just all orange a couple of years ago. Yeah, they were gross as well. But all right, another uh, another draft in the books. This one will be interesting because when you pair these eight shitty jerseys in an Instagram graphic, I don't think there'll be many people that will look for too long. So hopefully they can get enough yeah. time, eyesight in to cast their vote. Um, but yeah, we'll have to click back in uh, Wednesday find out who's the winner yeah bloody oath. um uh, who'd you say you're gonna surprise how often the hawks matumbo jersey popped up I yeah really there was like a couple one. as well I, I kept seeing the purple raptors ones in there and i was like how dare you mm. they're like iconic similar to what you said with the gold gilbert one like the, yeah that is just like synonymous with the raptors becoming relevant and vince like at the peak of his powers mm. so like, you can't Bucks really throw one. them in there but oh, with, with the deer the on, it? on it I like that. It's I've like got one of them with Brandon good. Jennings on the back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have that jersey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, who are you VC and, and seeing again rolling into the week? You did say you're going on the max, but who's your backup plan? 
I think um, I'm just going to go Took. No one else really jumped out at me, um, honestly. So I don't have any crows. I would go either Keys or Laird against Collingwood because yeah. they always give up a big score. Don't have any North Melbourne midfielders going up against Richmond. Don't have any Richmond midfielders going up against North. So, yeah, I think I'll just back Tukin. He's got the Dons. The very last game of the of the weekend, so um, nice way to ride. You can't really go wrong with Tuke. Yeah, who are you going? Uh, I love to just do a Friday night, throw the V on someone, and I've got English. I could potentially have Steele, McRae, Dunkley, but I think I'm just going to go with a real safe V on Andy Brayshaw, C on Rory Laird, and like one mm. of them's bound to get me a score I'm happy with. Hopefully, it is Brayshaw, so I don't have to worry about it. But bloke that's averaging what 130 in his last three games i can't be uh can't be too unhappy if i set the the c on rory oh shit i just realized melbourne like plays an hour before gold coast so i actually can't do that i'll figure it out yeah we make it work hey just go straight with yeah. two just don't even worry about giving a vice captain this week yeah just don't set it <laughs> all right let's see if i can go 13 and 5 this week it'll be nice to uh, get another win on the board but yeah we'll be back next week suss it all out talk fantasy doubt there'll be more basketball relevant stuff to talk about but who knows donovan mitchell might have found a new home mm, bloody oath good luck Don. Right. you prick <laughs> you prick all right thanks for sitting down j-lo we will catch you next time